Hey everyone, welcome to Under Control. My name is Paul, and today's guest is Rob Chevelle, CEO from Delete Me. Many of us are faced with the difficulty of navigating privacy issues in today's interconnected and digital world. The ways in which third parties are collecting people's information is constantly changing. When someone Googles you or your family, more than 40 data brokers are selling your personal information within the US alone. Is it possible for people to remove this information? Delete Me are on a mission to empower consumers to do just that. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Good to have you on the show today. It's a very interesting topic to discuss indeed around uh, data brokerage. Um, so first of all, let's, typically we get started with some background about yourself and about uh, Delete Me. Um, so maybe I'll just hand it over to you and you can give us some insights about uh, yourself and how you got into creating Delete Me. Sure. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, about 10 years ago, right around the time uh, Facebook, a company most of us uh, know and are pretty familiar with, was going public on the stock market in the United States. Uh, myself and, and a couple other entrepreneurs decided this was a perfect time to do the opposite of what Facebook was doing, uh, which, which was basically taking all our data in uh, for free and then selling it to, uh, to advertisers and data brokers and things like that. And so we wanted to create a company that cleaned up your data and removed it from different data brokers and places where uh, where it existed on the internet. And so that's what Delete Me uh, is, and that's what Delete Me does. It's a service where you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and then you, uh, and then our privacy experts go out, uh, find what information is out there about you on the internet and opt you out and remove all of that information from all the sources that we possibly can. So back then, you could see already that what the future was looking like with the, the collection of data, yeah? Well, as an entrepreneur, you try to live in the future, yeah. uh, but you try not to live too far in the future uh, that you can't build a real business. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, One of the problems in the privacy business uh, has been the business model because we can't sell data. We can't do advertising. We have to give enough value to our customers that they pay us directly for it because there's no other way that our customers would trust us. So that has been an issue uh, because we're competing. All privacy businesses that try to do the right thing have to charge their customer because Paul, as you know, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, become a bit of a cliche right now, that, that, that term, but it's very, very true. And I think um, you're seeing that now more than ever. Okay, so it's uh, basically where you go and, and everywhere you, you're touched by some kind of personal ad because they're building these profile up on you. Um, so do, let me just ask you before we move on, Rob, did you ever think that it would get to this to the stage it has right now where you see the likes of Google and, and Facebook getting dragged through the Senate and um, all the furore about personal and private or private information that we handed over. Did you envisage that as an entrepreneur? Did you think that it would get their fault or is it gone even further than what you expected? You know, it's a great question. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I'll tell you one of my co-founders, uh, believed that it was going to be 
and it will be much, much worse than it is. And he, when we started the company, he used to say to us when we were having uh, drinks together and brainstorming what, what Delete Me would look like on a napkin, he used to say to us, data is like oil. It is toxic. It is a, uh, it is a thing that all these companies are going to have to manage and pay to take care of. And it is a huge, huge problem. And I think we are just beginning to enter the decade where companies are going to have to understand that and manage their data, just like companies are managing the uh, chemicals and the waste products that industrial manufacturing has to deal with now. So data will become will go from becoming just an asset that they can do anything with and um, make as much money from as they can to uh, in, in, in many respects, the opposite, where they have to take care of it and it will become costly to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very much, we think about oil and then, then the byproducts, it's a bit like data as well as the byproducts coming off of that as, yeah, of your personal information. Um, so we mentioned, I just mentioned there about Facebook and, and, and Google, and I think Google's obviously one of the biggest, or the biggest, but what, uh, collect- about collecting personal data, your searches, and, and everything that you do. Um, and uh, so do you know a little bit about how Google's doing it right now, about how they're storing your personal data? Yeah. Um, you know, we do know um, that Google is doing an incredible amount of artificial intelligence and machine learning based on the data that they collect. And we know a little bit about uh, the data that they collect uh, because we can see in the Chrome browser, for example, we have a tool uh, which is different than Delete Me called Blur, which you install into the Chrome browser, which by the way, in the United States has about a 93% share of the browser market right now. So a huge monopoly in terms of people surfing the internet using Chrome, uh, at least on their desktop computers. Obviously on mobile, uh, it's more of a fight between Apple and, um, and, and Google. But, um, but the point being is we can see all of the data that that Chrome browser is collecting, and it includes every site you visit, how long you're on that site, every search that you do into Google, which is the default search engine, obviously, unless you yeah. switched to something like DuckDuckGo, which by the way, we recommend. Um, and so they are, and they collect a ton of additional information, including potentially every keystroke that you put into every form field that you, uh, that you interact with and every login and password that you store inside the Chrome Mm -hmm. password manager, your credit cards, the transactions that you do. And here's the real problem. As if that wasn't enough data for Google. They're, they're providing a whole lot of other services that many of us use, not just our Android phones. So the data on our location, wherever we walk around with our phones, uh, but also uh, increasingly our business documents. Um, a lot of people use Google email now, Gmail for corporations, not just personal Gmail accounts. So every email you get, every account, email message that comes into your inbox, all of your friends' 
uh, that send you emails, their email addresses, and they're connecting. And you know, for for what it's worth, Google is an incredibly smart company that hires and pays top dollar for the best talent. And I can tell you from having lived in Silicon Valley for many years, um, when you walk around the beautiful Google campus in Mountain View, California, the sun is shining. Um, people are riding around on uh, uh, red and green and yellow colored bikes. And these people are these smart and, and they're having free lunch where, you know, whatever, whatever they want. It, it is a beautiful campus and it attracts the best, smartest people in the world. And part of the problem with what does Google know about you is that these people are taking all that data and they're analyzing it in probably the smartest way that um, that that you that you can in the uh, that, that, that the smartest people in the world today can analyze data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned something there, which actually I'm watching a documentary on at the moment around AI, um, mainly based in in China and what China you know with the tech wars going on um, about taking the smartest people in China and and China being in this, this tech war with the US. Um, what is it that you see that we got to fear from AI um, when you say that Google use AI or maybe some other like Facebook uses AI? Is there anything we should be fearing? Is it helping us or is it potentially a bigger threat to us as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I, I think it's really a big debate right now in Silicon Valley. Uh, when you go uh, have dinners with the people that run the technology companies there, they're sitting around debating whether AI will be a huge problem or not. Um, I think, personally, I have a slightly uh, different view on it than I think most people in Silicon Valley. They, I think the prevailing view is they believe that AI will take over and uh, do most of the analysis that people are doing right now to make decisions won't be done by people anymore. So that would affect a lot of things, a lot of jobs, a lot of decision making, uh, that sort of thing. And I think it becomes a problem for uh, regular people uh, like us and, and, and probably the, the majority of uh, your listeners when it affects our lives. Uh, for example, we're uh, applying to get uh, health insurance uh, because we get a new job. Uh, well, all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of data and AI uh, making a decision about whether to give us health insurance or how much we should pay for it uh, that we have no idea about. We have no, we, we've lost any control over that decision because it's being made by a bunch of data that we don't know about, but that, is, that was once um, somehow belong, it somehow belonged to us. So the problem with AI is that will be it will be making many decisions, even if it doesn't turn into a giant uh, human-like uh, robot, uh, like in the you know in the movies yeah. or in science fiction. Even if we don't get there, it's going to be making a lot of decisions about us that are important to our daily lives and that we may not have any control over or any visibility into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Um when I when you mentioned that, one of the things that, that sort of takes me back and makes me wonder is, it, of course, getting credit. I just read something the other day about credit scoring um, and, you know, basically monitoring your, your spending patterns and whether you can get a good uh, credit score, even to the point where I think the article was relating Netflix to getting a good credit score as well. And, 
like you say, what would typically go to a bank as an underwriter and someone would have a certain amount of information on you, now potentially all that information is there on you, that historical information to make a decision on whether you're worthy of credit, whether you're worthy of life insurance. Um, and, and as you say, that, that can be pretty frightening. And I think, I think China thinks that's a great thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that they believe it's going to uh, be uh, the, the bedrock, the foundation of you know, a more perfect society. And I think that the Western world is going to have to create a lot of laws and regulation to put boundaries around this, to preserve our privacy and to preserve our freedom, because that's the only way uh, you know, there are tools, you know, Delete Me is a great service. I hope everybody checks it out. There are, you know, DuckDuckGo is a, a good place to keep your searches private. There are tools that, that, that all of us should be uh, trying. And if we like them and they're easy enough to use, integrate into our daily lives to protect some of our data and our privacy. However, ultimately, we're going to have to draw as a, as a government and as a society, we're going to have to draw some boundaries around this because, as you know, technology just gets better, faster, and cheaper over time. Yeah. And to on to that point you've just mentioned about drafting or, or drawing some boundaries around that. Um, I see that Google is now kind of being you know, dragged into the courts, dragged in front of the Senate um, as well. Is it, is, is it about time? Are they too big to stop, for example, do you think? Or it's, it, you know, US government potentially or, or European governments can start doing something about these these too big to fail organizations? I mean, I, I think the courts will decide, but I, I do think it's time to have that conversation uh, at the level of government, society, and, uh, and, and the judicial systems. If you think back 20 years ago in the United States, uh, the, the Department of Justice pulled Microsoft into court on antitrust concerns because every PC was being shipped with Windows. And they did a great job of cornering the market. So every time you bought a personal computer back then, it came with Windows and nothing else. There were no other options. That seems, if, you, if, if we look back on it now, that seems so innocent, so innocent compared to what Facebook and Google have on us today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just see that, that this, this, this lawsuit's going up with the U.S. Justice Department. I'm just wondering if the out the outcome of last last uh, week's events would would change that potentially that course of action but um yeah it's uh i don't think so i i don't think that that biden winning the u.s presidency uh assuming um assuming our beloved president trump actually uh leaves the white house um i don't think that it's going to change the general course of action which is in the united states to re-examine what the biggest uh, data-driven technology companies are doing and what boundaries should be placed around them. And I believe that the U.S. will have a federal privacy law yeah. similar to the GDPR and similar to legislation that's being passed in Brazil and other countries mm. uh, before the end of the next four years. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's, it flows nicely into my, my next question or point of topic I wanted to raise because we talk, we're we here talking today about the US and, and the EU's putting the GDPR uh, regulations and maybe you can distinguish between the two about 
the way that data is exchanged um, in the US and probably it's more confined now within the European Union because of GDPR, but the element of data trading and data brokers. Um, is it still quite prolific in the US? And, and maybe you can give us some explanation about a data broker and what is it they're actually doing and is there a market for? Yeah, so I think the, the simple way to think about it is a data broker is any company that is buying and selling our personal information without our consent explicitly. Uh, and it turns out they're particularly in the US and much less so because of the GDPR in the EU, there's a huge market of companies we've never heard of selling data about us, our families, our friends, our birth dates, our uh, habits, uh, our latest shopping. Um, and we're not here to say that our, 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 our philosophy as a, as a company and, a, and, and as a privacy provider isn't that all, um, all for-profit companies uh, selling data are evil. It is simply that they need to be responsive to citizens. And if, if, if one of us decides, hey, you shouldn't have the right to sell my personal information and my profile, and I have no profit from it, and I have no control over it, and you're publishing it on the internet so that anyone can search for it on Google, we believe the consumer uh, or the citizen of every country should have a right to say, hey, you know what? Either give me some money for it, or um, I would prefer that you didn't include me in your database. It's just basic logic uh, in, in our opinion. And, and again, it doesn't mean that these business models are evil or bad. They just must give consumers that they're building their business on rights. And that's what, um, that's what a lot of the uh, GDPR uh, is about and some of the emerging legislation in the US that borrows many of the principles from the GDPR, such as the CCPA, which is California's privacy law, and the new version of that, which was just passed uh, last week called the CPRA, uh, which builds on, on um, these consumer rights. So again, back to your question, what's the, what is a data broker? How does it operate in the US? And how is it different from the EU? What we've seen in the EU is the GDPR laws have, have been very effective in controlling the amount of companies that decide to try to do business uh, buying and selling data without your consent because it's expensive and they might get sued. Uh, so in, in the EU, we see uh, probably only 5% of the number of data brokers that we see in the United States. And in the United States, they have not, uh, these companies, which include uh, names like Spokio and Radaris and Intellius, uh, Axiom, um, and to, to, share, uh, to share some names, you know, it sort of blends into the credit bureaus of which I would mention Experian because they have, they're a UK-based mm -hmm. uh, company that also is a credit monitoring firm in the US. Um, what we see is just a complete uh, 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 
unregulated uh, industry that um, is collecting and correlating data profiles about, about us and, and yes, selling them uh, to the highest bidder, no matter who that person is. And it could be a political uh, uh, organization. It could be a life insurance company. It could be uh, your, uh, you know, an employer background check company. It could be a dating site. All of these companies are buying and selling data about us, and uh, without our permission, without our consent, um, and they're getting better and better at getting more data about us too. Yeah, and just to from from uh, you know me as a uh, as a Joe Public out there, what does that that look like? What does that mean for me? I mean, they've got I've got maybe several data brokerages that that have data on me, and they they're all bidding and. And suggesting that they've got more data about me than maybe a competitor, and, and that's they can put a premium price on that. How does that whole system work for the listeners out there? Yeah, well, the the prices that we see, um, so they do two. Uh, the data brokers have two business models. Uh, one is to sell to other businesses, uh, and they'll sell uh, bulk access via APIs, uh, which are. Uh, rights to to have their software just instantly check whether or not our data is available based on an email address or a phone number or some an IP address, some unique identifier about us. Um, so they'll sell that to other businesses at very different price points, sometimes as low as you know one cent per uh, per check or per lookup about us. Um, and that's all going on in the in the background. We have no they they never publish who their customers are, and they never will. And what's worse in the U.S. is what we see is is kind of a game going on where if one data broker behaves really badly and gets in trouble, uh, they just shut down and sell their their entire database to a different data broker that springs up with a new name and a new company and uh, continues on. So the, the problem um, you know, is, a, is a little bit of a game of cat and mouse. And, and at DeleteMe, for example, we are constantly chasing down these data brokers, adding them to our service, and then they disappear, and a new one pops up that we then have to go add to our service. And this is one reason why we have, why the customers that we have appreciate the work that we do, uh, because it's a never-ending battle that you have to stay on top of, and it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is it just basically for, for for the for the individual, or I mean, is businesses also business data also being traded out there as well about the way that businesses behave, the way that what else has been in that? Area? Yeah, it's 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 a whole lot of of data, both based mm-hmm. on businesses and employee data. And business cu- business customers are our fastest growing segment of, of uh, customers that delete me actually, uh, and it's just a lot of individual data as well. And and the data, as I was mentioning before, the data profiles that are uh, being collected about all of us are increasingly detailed yeah. and increasingly recent. So, for example, to share a little bit of data that we gather. <laughs> about the data brokers with you. Uh, four years ago, uh, in 2016, we were able to find on average about 850 individual pieces of data uh, at data brokers about a typical customer for Delete Me. Now, that number is over 2,200. So they've almost 
tripled the amount mm -hmm. of average data points they have about each person based on our research in in three to four years. That, that's quite a growth rate. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in what's perpetuating that, of, of course, social media platforms, but basically anything we're doing online is is more or less more or less traced and and, and tracked. Um, and in the real world, and in the real world, Paul, the problem is the entire world is going, you know, is going technic is getting more technically sophisticated. So when we go uh, uh, get a, a, dr a driver ID, uh, or we, you know, go to the to uh, the the post uh, things that used to be disconnected from data and not well managed are now connected, uh, even at the government level. And uh, in the U.S., uh, for example, a lot of those uh, even government entities are sharing data with the data brokers, yeah. which seems crazy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose uh, since the Cambridge Analytical scandal came out back in 2016, um, people weren't really under under the idea of how far you know society or individuals could be manipulated. And I think in the Western world, we're very much um, aware or more aware now these days. But in the past, what 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 happened was um, well, not even the past, even today, in more developing countries, they they they've attached to that technology like your Facebook's your social media platforms and then um they basically consume it as if it was everyday news, right? And they can influence that. And I think going back to that Cambridge Analytica scandal is that it was basically I think it was Trinidad and Tobago. They just ran a test bed on the way that they could potentially manipulate that because they'd built up a profile of the of the individuals. That's right. And I remember one of the Cambridge Analytica executives in in a Netflix documentary and encourage everybody to watch it. I remember him saying, we put we put an advertisement out there based on all this uh, personal data, and it went like a boomerang. And we'd put it on social media, and the boomerang would come back, and we'd see it show up in the results. And and that's, that's some of the power and danger of targeted advertising and, uh, and, and data personalization. Yeah. Um so I just wanted to sort of like move this on a little bit about uh, we've been talking enough about the problems and we know that delete me is uh, you know, one of the solutions out there. Uh, what other advice would you give out there about making people more aware and more conscious about their everyday activities online? I mean, it's difficult these days because I'm also guilty of it. We just log in, we go in, we see the cookies. Shall I bother with the cookies? Shall I not bother with the cookies? It's a great question. It's a great question. And we, we you know, as I said, I I know I'm busy like everybody's busy. We don't wake up in the morning and, and think about protecting our privacy. Uh, we think about the work that we have to do, uh, the, the kids, if we have families. Uh, uh, you know, we, 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 we have to lead our lives, and our lives are increasingly digital lives. Um, so I think there are a few things that, that people can do that, that, that are probably easy. Um, uh, for us to recommend, and we see uh, a lot of our uh, users and customers adopting them. You know, one is to use when you're when you're when you're using your browser, uh, either don't use Chrome, or if you use Chrome, put an ad blocker uh, on it. It's it's simple to install, it's free, and it really does stop a lot of the third-party tracking that goes to a bunch of data brokers about 
where you go and what you do online. So that's a, a useful tool. Uh, we have one. There's lots of others in the marketplace, um, and uh, you know it's a, it's a good thing to do. Uh, a second uh, recommendation um, is when you think about the, the the services you use every day, whether it's your browser or your web email or the business documents that you that you rely on. Try not to do everything with the same company. So, in other words, if you use Gmail and therefore you know Google is is fairly knowledgeable about your email, don't also use Google for all of the other uh, things. Great, you know, make sure you you mix and match the companies that are most uh, uh, have the most privileged access to your digital life. Uh, so your phone provider should be different from your email provider, should be different from your web browser. And that doesn't, you know, that, that's generally a choice that people can make. And most of the services are pretty equivalent in terms of their features and functionality. Yeah. And I, you'd probably say the same for businesses as well that are out there that you know need some degree of um, protection uh, or sensitivity that they're dealing with as well, that they, they take the same kind of measures, right? That's right. Yeah. That's exactly. Um, so I've just a few more minutes left, um, but and I wanted to get your feelings towards the future of. I mean, it's a fantastic service that you're doing that you've got here, um, but data brokerage is probably not going to disappear uh, overnight. And um, I'm sure that there's a case that they can easily move offshore. They can move without the boundaries of law. Um, because it's one of those industries that can be basically replicated anywhere in the world. Um, so, what do you see as the future uh, of this particular industry, and you know where you're constantly having to evolve? Um, are they getting smarter? Are you guys getting smarter? Is it going to be a constant, constant, you know, push and pull situation? We'll look, um, we'll look for some it, regulation help. Yeah, yeah, um, great question. Uh, and I and I and I think you you answered it in the question, which is, in in our opinion, there is no easy solution. Uh, it will be a push and pull. There was a horrible case, a quick story. Uh, a judge, a federal judge here in the United States, uh, three or four months ago, uh, some crazy uh, uh, person that was involved in a, a legal case that she had um, adjudicated uh, came to her house uh, around the holidays. Her son answered the door, who was home, and he sh he was dressed as a Federal Express uh, uh driver with a package and he shot uh he shot her son to death uh and she was uh you know obviously horrible and she was reflecting on the ability of this person to easily find uh her person her home address just by googling her name mm -hmm. um and and how what a problem that was and, and how that if you know that that, that helped this tragedy happen um, and her her conclusion uh, and we're you know we're helping judges like her uh, pro bono with with our delete me service but her conclusion was uh, unfortunately similar to our conclusion which is it is not an easy simple problem to solve there will be for all the reasons that you outlined there will be a push and pull here but that regulation 
and the law does need to protect our rights, our rights as citizens, our rights as customers, and we need more services like Delete Me to help make enforcing our rights easy. Because it's one thing to get legal rights and some, you know, government passes a law and we can all feel good about it. It's another thing to take those rights and put them into action in our daily lives. And that's what we're trying to do as, a, as, a, as entrepreneurs, is to try to make that easier for people, cost effective, so that they can get on with their lives and be more protected and more safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's a fantastic way to finish on, on that note. I mean, obviously, Trezor as well, being advocates of privacy um, and taking control of your own data, uh, we certainly you know follow that that mindset as well. Um, and I think uh, you mentioned DuckDuckGo. We've already had an interview with them, and uh, you know those th- those technologies are out there. I think it's just bringing awareness to what they're out there. That's something we're trying to do with this podcast as well. There's organizations like yourself that are really, you know, looking out for people's personal information and the way that it's being treated out there online. Rob, it's been fantastic having you uh, on on this uh, podcast. I hope that we can do another one in the future, catch up and see where you're at. But um, I really appreciate the time you've given us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. And that is all for today's episode of Under Control. You can find links to all our social platforms and to our guests in the episode description. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Join me again in two weeks time for the next episode.